Hello and welcome back to the What The Folk Sunderland review show, which we don't normally do during the week, but uh, we just wanted to do it. There's absolutely no script for today, uh, so we're just going to be waxing lyrical about what I think was arguably probably the best win of the season in terms of atmosphere, the team that we beat and the performance that the lads put on. But um, I've cobbled together some guests. First and foremost, we've got Sunderland Echoes, James Copley. James, how are you, mate? You okay? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Um, it's nice that you've you've cobbled together the B-list of guests. So yeah, pleasure. Pleasure to fill in. I'm pleased that you've upgraded both of yourselves to B-list. I was thinking more D-list, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> um, Dave, you normally join after a horrendous defeat, but you've joined us after a lovely, lovely win over Leeds. How are you, sir? Indeed, yeah. Hard not to be uh, optimistic after that last night. Like you say, definitely came across on... Uh, on the TV, like there was a cracking atmosphere, and yeah, good good start to the Wednesday, I think. Yeah, excellent start to Wednesday. I think everything's coming up Millhouse, honestly. Like them lot up the road getting whacked every game. We winning games. Dodgy turning into two shell. I don't know what's going on, but um, I'll come to you first, Copley. Obviously, you were there last night. Um, in the midst of it, great atmosphere, great win. But uh, how are you feeling, sort of ten o'clock a.m. on Wednesday morning after the result? I'm feeling brilliant, to be honest. I thought was the best performance of the season so far. Uh, when the team news came out at seven o'clock, I think um, myself, like a lot of fans, were curious, was Sealed going to go into midfield? But Mike Dodds went five at the back, um, which was really interesting tactically. And it worked. It was a, a brilliant call. I don't think Tony Mowbray would have done that. So fair play to Mike Dodds for sort of sticking his neck on the chopping board. But then the really the really interesting thing was that Sunderland scored when Mike Dodds changed it. He brought Equa on for sealed. He went four at the back. Um, Jack Clark's shift defensively was magnificent. So there was a bit of cover on the, the left-hand side. And then Job gets the goal. It was really interesting tactically. Um, I, I found it a fascinating game to watch, considering it was it was nil-nil for the majority of the game. It was tactically fascinating. I thought the quality on show for both sides was was excellent. Um just a, a really good watch all round, especially when when you've when you've won the game. It was sort of devoid of any really really bad refereeing decisions, which is always nice. Um, I did find it interesting that Daniel Farkas said that that Sunderland parked the bus. I don't think that was the case. I, I just think that he's sort of been out tacticked a little bit by by Mike Dodds, who was a, a relative novice in the management game, and I think he's probably a little bit uh, miffed at that, but, you know, fair play to Mike Dodds for, for getting one over on a, a championship promotion winning manager previously, a Premier League manager previously, somebody who's seen as a, a good tactician. Um, and he must be feeling pretty proud of himself because, you know, let's go back to, to February 2022, Sunderland lost against Doncaster and then Cheltenham. Um, that wasn't really his fault, the, the state of the club at the time, the situation he was parachuted into. I felt sorry for him at the time, but circumstances and social media um, meant that he became a bit of a joke figure, unfairly really, um, in certain quarters, and he, he was hammered. I think criticism's always fair, but he, he was taking the Michael of out of a little bit really in, in some quarters, which I, I thought was distasteful. He's clearly very highly rated within the club, Um and he's right at the wrong. He's got two wins out of two against West Brom and Leeds United. Fair play to him. Um, he comes across as a, a really nice down-to-worth guy who just wants to work hard and, and do well for Sunderland. So, yeah, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with the manager hunt, but fair play to Mike Dodds because that was a borderline tactical masterclass, I would suggest. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, for me, 
I think you're looking at the the game itself was like it Leeds reminded me of Sunderland and the Mowbray in a lot of ways, like in the sense that they had a lot of the ball, but didn't really do much with it, despite the quality that they obviously have. And I think a lot of that it does it, it does go down to to um to Dodzy and like you know fair plays tactically he's been spot on the past two games and he's he switched things around. I thought. We'll, we'll get on which players impressed us most, but I think, you know, I was worried about Sealt wherever he played, if I'm honest with you, because he's not the fastest, he hasn't played that much, and I don't know much about him because of the lack of game time. Um, and I thought, you know, he was one of the standout players. But Dave, I'll, I'll come to you next, obviously. We're all absolutely buzzing. My voice has gone a bit. I, I really enjoyed it last night, though. Like, I think, you know, when you play Leeds, whatever you think Leeds, they're the big team. It's always nice to play Leeds because it's always a, a big game and it's, it's nice to get one over them because you know they are vocal, they are they are good fans, whatever you, however you look at it. But it's always nice to get one over Leeds, and it's always nice to play them and beat them. But um, how did you feel about the game, Dave? Are you you happy as Larry as me and uh, James are? Yeah, massively. Um, I I'm exactly the same same thought process that I just think we were we were the better team. Um, yeah. Okay, their front four are dangerous, and then when you've got the likes of Bamford on the bench, you've got Notto on the bench. You've got some serious, serious attacking options. Um, their run of form lately has been absolutely sensational, and yeah, <laughs> it's it's quite for as much as you are giving their fans credit, and and I think they are. They're a huge club, and they're they're very well backed, but. Some of the comments that I read last night about how we just sat eleven men behind the ball—I I just don't know what game they were seeing. Uh, I think it was tact- tactically brilliant. Um, Dodds deserves all the credit because I was probably one of those who, who, when we were getting beat two-one off Cheltenham, was kind of going, "What is this guy doing in the dugout? He is not ready for this." You can see it a mile off, and and fair play to him. You can see the way that he's reacting to things on the sideline with the cameras last night. He's bought into the club. He's bought into the fans. Um, we've always asked for an extension of ourselves as fans, whoever's in charge. And I I sincerely hope um, whoever comes in as manager, I sincerely hope that he's there for every step of the journey. And I think the dynamic will work perfectly. He's young himself. Hopefully we get a young, talented manager, works alongside him, and uh, he, he keeps delivering. The, the boys obviously love him. Um and yeah, so many standouts last night. It was unbelievable. Um, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you start everything off. But yeah, you could wax lyrical about so many of them. I think it was. It was just a proper performance, wasn't it? Okay, maybe he's a little bit tentative in the first fifteen minutes, but it's a bit like a boxing match, isn't it? Feel feel your way around each other, and then then go hell for leather. And yeah, I, I just thought it was a very enjoyable watch and. As you'd said before, with with Mowbray, there's every chance we get beat 1-0 last night. So absolutely huge credit to Dodds and to Proctor. Um, they've put themselves in the firing line. Probably could have easily shied away from it. And and they haven't. And six points from six when we've just sacked our manager. It's pretty impressive, to be fair. Especially considering who it's came against. And I think, you know, by the way, the more this is going on, this is getting less of a podcast and more of a Dodcast. But um, <laughs> there's the title for the show. Thank you very much, Graham. Well done. Pat yourself on the back. Um, Dave, I'm, I'm going to stick with you for the moment and then move on uh, to, to Copley because 
you're on here every week, so you get first pick here, right? We've decided that we're going to pick one player every single week that we want to mention. Um, and if you pick that person, the next person can't pick that person. I'm going to take the choice away from me, take the choice away from the debutant, and let you choose to play that impressed you most last night, Dave, and why? Oh, mate, it's it's so it's so tough. And I won't mention the other name because I'm sure you're going to bring them up. But I do, ju- and he's had a bit of critic criticism rather this season um but the what and i just i've loved him probably since three months of being here so i'm gonna go try you i thought he was absolutely fantastic and i'm not saying he was the best out of everyone on there but for me i just love watching him play football he's mature he's phenomenal i think it was i think it was northern Ireland who tweeted during the international break what a player we've got in our hands we said it at the end of last season. He will become a Premier League footballer. He will be. He will be there. He reminds me of like a a Seamus Coleman. He's just absolutely fantastic. And uh, so, yeah, for for that reason, I'm giving it to Hume. I think he's reading of the game sensational. You know, our Republic of Ireland listeners won't like that comparison. Well done, Dave. That's a few subscribers lost, but um, there is one player I want to pick out. But before I do, I'll let the debutant have the second choice copy. Who stood out for you? I agree with everything Dave said on on Trey Hume. He would have been up there as one of my first picks. I thought that the goal line clearance was was commendable, and I've never seen a player as good in a tackle as him. His time and his tenacity it's it's just brilliant. I I, I genuinely can't think of a of a fullback who was tackled better at Sunderland, like maybe Bardsley or or Makin maybe, but like. Yeah, Trey Hume sensational. The, the player there's, there's two, and I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle to pick. Um. But I'm going to go with Dan Neil. He got our Sunderland Echo Man of the Match for the game, um, which was actually picked by Phil Smith. But uh, I did agree with. I just think he's he's a very very good footballer. He's you know, 22 years old, playing every game for Sunderland, usually in a midfield two in in the Championship. Um, I just thought he was he was all over last night. Sometimes he he can get caught on the blind side and, and lose the ball, but you expect that from a young player. I think he's developing in front of our eyes. Um, I think he his his energy, his work rate, his passing, his passion for the club is brilliant, and I think it's sad really that there's that there's a few fans that that really don't rate Dan Neil and and seem to have it in for him. I think it's it's obviously fine to critique Dan Neil when when things don't go his way and stuff, but it's it's that thing that football clubs and football fans have about Haber and the own. It happened with Jordan Henderson. Um, before his massive heel turn and move to Saudi Arabia, when he was actually a Sunderland player, um, he, he did get hammered a little bit. And I, I've seen it over the years with various different people, Elliot Embleton as well, a little bit. And it does happen with Dan. And I don't really understand why, because I think his performances largely have been have been absolutely fantastic. Unlucky with a red card against Middlesbrough um, for dissent. Obviously, Sunderland received an apology for that. But I think by and large this season, he's been Sunderland, one of Sunderland's standout performers. Um, and if he hadn't come up through the youth academy, had we aborted him last summer, I think everybody would be raving about him. I think he's he's absolutely fantastic and a, and a credit, and he's developing into a leader as well. You know, 126 games he's got for Sunderland, and he's only 22. hasn't missed a game in the in the championship this season. I don't think. I think he only missed three last season. Um, played in the league one season when we got promoted. I think he's a, a real asset to the club and I think he deserves a little bit more love than he than he gets on social media at times. I absolutely agree with Dan Neil. I turned the lad next to me and um I'm one of Dan Neil's probably harshest critics, but not in the sense that 
Um, I don't think he's got quality. I think I'm probably, I know how good he can be. So like last yes, season, yeah. when he was turning and losing the ball a bit, it was frustrating me. However, like the lad next to me kind of felt like he, he couldn't progress the way I felt he could progress. And we discussed it last night and I went, look, you changed your mind in Dan Neely's class, isn't he? And he went, yeah, you know what, mate? Yeah, he's he's unreal. Like he's passing ability, he's leadership on the, on the park. And I, I completely agree. I think if you'd signed him last summer, you'd be like, oh my God, what's this kid? Where have we got him from? He's he's such a leader in the park and he's, stopped, he's not making those silly mistakes he made last year. And I think, you know, if he had made them once or twice, I think he could probably go, well, it's only second season and the, the second tier, but like the fact that he stopped making them so much, I mean, touch wood, he would probably make one on Saturday, I know I've said this, but um, I think you can see he's just maturing game by game and getting better. And for me, he's... He's one of the first names on the team sheet. But when we talk about people being critiqued, we've done it on this show. Dave's done it in the past and then swung around. And then he's someone that I, I've always loved. But even I've said recently, I'm just not sure if he deserves his place at the minute. But I thought for me, he was far and wide man of the match last night. I think Luke O'Nine was absolutely phenomenal. Um, mm. It was just everything you want from Luke O'Nine in terms of the composure at the back, the leadership from the back, getting the way shots, blocking things, organising his defence. Um, excellent alongside Ballard. We've touched on Seal too, I thought. Had a fantastic performance till he went off injured. And even the little cheeky wink and the smile towards the um, the the roger end, as it's now called, sort of towards the end. It was just, it was Lugo 9 at Lugo 9's best. And I think sometimes he gets absolutely destroyed. And like, I feel like if we're going to destroy him when he has a poor performance... We really need to back him um, when he puts in a performance that he put in last night. And I think for me, with O'Neill, does he have limitations? 100%. Does he have limitations as a centre half? 100%. But for me, and I've, me and Brad have said it countless times over the years, Luke O'Neill is the epitome of everything I've just wanted from a, a, a Sunderland player um, over the years. I've, I've had. And I'm not saying anything different here, but when you've got the likes of Jack Rodwell, who's played at the club, and Didier and Dong, who quite frankly couldn't care less about the club. I can kind of almost deal with O'Neill's occasionally not great performances because I know for a fact he's going to put in a performance last night as soon as I start to worry. And for me, he, he was just an absolute standout. But you could have literally picked anyone. Like we haven't even touched on Job, eighteen playing a completely Pritchard, different... Pritchard as well. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, Copley, I wanted to ask you about about Job. You know, we said about Daniel before. If we'd signed him last summer, would we would we rate him higher? And I sometimes think. You know, Job has got the attention on him because of who his sibling is and how good his sibling is. Um, but I also sometimes think like people aren't realizing how good this 18-year-old kid is that complain about four different positions. And and Dodsey spoke about him last night and said, like, look, they said, I think Sky said, What's his position? He said he's 18. Like he's got yeah. so, <laughs> so much ability, he can play where he wants, sort of like let's not pigeonhole him just yet. But he was up front as an out and out striker on Saturday. Look, he did score. We'll talk about the offside decision. We, knew, we know he scored. He scores again last night, but he played like deep hold in midfield role for about 70 minutes. Like, I don't want to sell him off here, but but how much of a talent is is, is Job, James? No, he's, he's absolutely brilliant. It just just firstly, quickly on, on Lugo 9, I think some of the discourse surrounding him annoys me as well because he picks up a yellow card, loses the ball, you know, daft foul, he gets hammered on, on Twitter instantly. Oh, he's clueless. He's this, he's that. You know, people really going in two foot. He plays the rest of the game on the yellow card, doesn't put a foot wrong. And and it, nobody says a thing about it. I think 
some people just need to really check themselves when they're when they're criticizing players and, and be balanced about it. Like as you said, Graham, you, you know, sometimes he can do the odd stupid thing. I thought he, he was lucky maybe not to give a penalty away against West Brom. He didn't need to put himself in that position. But when he does something good, you know, he needs to be praised. Um, be balanced about it, you know, cr- critique the bad things, but praise the good things. Um, but just on Joe Bellingham, I mean, Christ, w- what a player he's 18. It's it's testament to him that he came to the club when he was 17. He, he's just turned 18 and he's one of the first names on the team sheet. And nobody bats an eyelid when he's when he's put up front. Nobody bats an eyelid when the next game he drops back into centre midfield. Nobody bats an eyelid when in that same game against Leeds United, an ex-Premier League club who were right up there at the top of the table, um, it's changed tactically. And Job is, is the man that's moved out of position to go a little bit further forward and wins the game. It's just expected of him now, which will bring with it a different pressure. But you're right. I, I was thinking this last night, actually walking back from the game, like... What is the time frame for him going to a, a top European club? Because initially I thought three to five years he could be playing in the Champions League. And I, and then I thought, well, actually, it, it could be a lot sooner than that. Not that I want to sell him off. I want him to to stay at Sunderland for 10 years and, and reach the dizzying heights of Europe with us. But you have to be realistic and say, given his pedigree, given his stature, um, you take his name out of it. He's a, he's a bloody good player. And, and Mike Dodds touched upon it last night that it, it's I think it's hard for him being in... Jude Bellingham's shadow. Maybe that's perhaps the the wrong the wrong word for it. But his his brother's a superstar playing for Real Madrid and, and scoring, you know, thirteen goals. And it's it's only December, winning El Clasicos and you know, setting setting the world alight. So it, it is going to be tough for a, a young lad. Obviously, his family are split. As I think his mother's in Sunderland and his his dad's in Spain, or is it the other way around? I think his dad's his dad's in Sunderland. His mother's in Spain. His his dad's got the the better um better end of the bargain in, in in my view. But yeah, sky's the limit for him. Um and you, it's testament to him that when you hear him speak and when you see him play, you you actually forget how how young he is. Um the fact that he's only just turned 18, I think he's he's an absolute credit. Um and again, sky's the absolute limit. And when Sunderland have a problem tactically, he seems to be the one who can who can sort that out. So I mean the, the discipline to to do that at his age is is remarkable, really, and a massive coup for for Sunderland to get him um, for as cheaply as they did. And and you know there were Birmingham City fans that were almost celebrating the fact that he'd gone, thinking that they'd, they'd got a they'd got a good deal from claiming that they had better youth players at the club, which they may well do. I, I'm not all fair with every young player at Birmingham City, but that does seem like a a pretty grand claim now in hindsight. 1.5 million. <laughs> it's it's mad. It's mad. Silly money. Dave, I want to stick with Joe, right? Because I love him. Um, <laughs> that's the reason I want to stick with him, to be honest. But um, do you know what I really like about Joe as well, Dave? And I think this is a big testament. We've seen it last year with Ahmad, a supremely talented player that we know is probably Premier League bound and European bound. And you're sort of loving whilst it's here. And the biggest thing about Ahmad, I think the reason he became so popular with the fans was, yeah, he was brilliant on the pitch and he scored some ridiculous goals. But you sort of loved his passion for the club, which he seemed to get immediately. Um, for me, Job's in exactly the same mould. The celebration when he scored, like you can see he's looking around and when we're singing Wise Men saying, you know when like players say stuff and you hear them and you go, aye, okay, yeah, you're just, you're just playing up with the fans and stuff here. He genuinely loves it here and I think that gives him that extra 10% on 
the already like abundance of potential and talent he has. But how nice is it to see someone like um, Job, you know, who's obviously aiming, uh, will, will, you know, barring any mistakes, injuries or anything like that, God forbid, he's going to reach the top. I've got no doubt about that. But how nice is it to see that, you know, no matter what happens, you can tell he's always going to remember something and he's just bought into the club perfectly. It's lovely, isn't it? But it's also that one where, you know, without being stereotypical and using horrible cliches where you're like, you you end up going out with some superstar model and you just know that it's it's heartbreak. I think we've got <laughs> I think we've got two years, two years of a maximum, and then he does the type of move. And I know he calls himself Joe because he doesn't want to be in his brother's shadow, but he probably goes the same route. The only difference is the two years or the 18 months that that Jude had at Birmingham. Well, lucky that we're having Job here. Then I think he's off to a Dortmund, and then after that, wherever he wants to go. And that's heartbreak. However, the one thing, the the one thing that is brilliant is you when you're paying someone. Uh, you want 110%. He gives you that for every single minute that he's here. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna enjoy it. He realizes it's a great platform to play football, to put himself out there. He's employed by the club. He will give everything. And I just think it ends in heartbreak, unfortunately. But let's hope we have some good times before then. Um well we will have some good times before then. Last night alone. Uh but yeah, I saw the clip the other day of him saying how much he uh, how much he loves the old Elvis song, and when we all start singing it, it's it's brilliant, isn't it? We've got so many players now who care. Which you mentioned, our friend Mister Rodwell, name whichever one of the two of you want, whether it's Jim, uh, Jim or or Jack. But we had so many chances like that for so long. It's now really nice to see the likes of Patrick Roberts, who's been off it. Celtic, who's been off at City, playing Champions League football, tying themselves down to new contracts because they want to be here, because they realise we try to play football in the right way, because we've got a really good setup now. Yeah, it just makes you proud. It makes you really proud to be a Sunderland fan. And people like that, people like Job, Dan Neil, who's obviously from the area. But yeah, you couldn't... The amount of people that have bought into the football club and what we're trying to do... I think is testament to to certain people upstairs and, and testament to the fans for sticking through really shit times for want of a better phrase. So yeah, really proud. I think that's that's the summary from that. Um one thing I, I do want to mention, Dave, as well, I think something that we haven't had the chance to speak about for a number of weeks. And I'm gonna fire this one at you, Dave, because of a certain person that will want to be mentioned. A clean sheet. Lovely. What do you think of that? Yeah, yeah. In games like that, it makes diff- makes the difference. Well, it obviously makes a difference because we only scored one. So the clean sheet gets us the three points instead of one. Um, yeah, we, we all know we're talking about Bowers. We all know how much he loves a clean sheet, the boring bastard. Um, but, you know, it is important in certain games, you know, the the I think the Sky... Sports commentators yesterday were, were talking about the Leicester game and how we went and how we went gung ho and tried to get in Leicester's faces and it looked pretty and it, you know no doubt that we we are successful in a high press because we've got quite a fit athletic team nowadays 
plenty of youthful exuberance. But sometimes we do have to be a little bit wily, a little bit foxy. And for that, we've been going that we, we need some experience in there. Well, we didn't have the experience last night in in terms of age and in terms of being there, done that, got the T-shirt and so on. I mean, you know, Jensen Sealed came in. He definitely hasn't got that many T-shirts. Um, and yet still, and again, huge credit to Dodds and Proctor for setting them that, up that way during the course of the week. But we did look as though we had plenty of experience. I suppose Pritchard made a massive difference Um He's always great off the ball with his work, even though he doesn't quite look fit enough. His positional sense and stuff is absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, massive, massive credit to everyone involved, I think. I think I, I really want to pull out Pritchard as well. Yeah, like, look, we talked about Pritchard for weeks and how he should be playing. And I think some people had the opinion that maybe coming off the bench, he's good. I thought he was absolutely phenomenal last night until he went off for Brad Dack. Um, I felt a bit sorry for Bradley Dack. Because when he came on, <laughs> the whole crowd went, I can't remember who went off. I think it was Pritch, actually. I think I, it was Pritch, but I could be wrong with this. But whoever went off got a real rapturous like applause. And that came on. It was like, oh. <laughs> and it wasn't a purposeful thing. People just went, oh, no. But I thought, you know, for the five minutes he was on, he, he defended, he harried, he, he did the job. And hopefully, um, you know, hopefully Bradley Dack does improve because we, we do need to see more, but less of the negatives on this one. Um we talked about the comments that Daniel Farker, who's got a, a really funny way of, like a funny accent and the way that he speaks, it always makes me laugh. Sounds like he's having like helium. Um, in terms of him saying we parked the bus, we I think we all collectively disagree with that because I mean you look at the chances that were in the game. If that's end nil ends nil nil, you're frustrated. But I think there was a Leeds fan online. Funnily enough, not that I was searching the Leeds United hashtag last night. Yes, I was. Um, that said something that was spot on and they said, look, like Ipswich and Leicester are doing so well. It's actually an unfair season for teams like Leeds because normally, you know, the form Leeds have been on, I think it's nine wins in 12 now, nine wins in 11 before the game. They would probably have like be relatively clear in second or top, but they said, look, it's probably going to be a playoff game. And look, Sunderland are also in those playoffs. We talk about losing players if we don't get there and thereabouts. We're sixth without really hitting the form we maybe hit last year or with the best yet to come. And hopefully a nice new young manager by the name of William coming in soon, fingers crossed. Um, but last night's game felt like a real playoff game, is what he said. Uh, the Leeds fan said, look, that, that's a playoff game. That's what you're going to get in the playoffs. And it looks like we're going to be in the playoffs because if we lose at Ipswich with 13 points behind and it's too much. And if that's what the playoffs are going to be like, teams like Sunderland are going to be like really good at it and, and they've been in the playoffs for the past two years and that's what you're going to get. And I think when you look at Meslier's save, the chances we had, the, the tactical um, battle between the managers, it felt like a playoff game. And I think if we're honest, if we're honest, James, we're not going to get all match promotion ourselves, but the playoffs are very, very much in reach. And that kind of game bodes very well if that is to happen come the end of the season, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. That Meslier save, by the way, was was mesmeric. I couldn't believe when I was watching, you know, fair play. He's definitely a Premier League goalkeeper and, and that's what Sutherland were up against. It was unbelievable. Honestly, I would go as far as to say that that's one of the best technical saves I've seen from like an opposition goalkeeper at Sunderland since I've been going, certainly tops anything that we uh, we saw in League One. But in, in terms of the playoff places, <clears throat> Sunderland are sixth. We've beaten West Brom. We've beaten Southampton this season. We've beaten Leeds United this season. 
We gave Leicester City a good game down their place. Should have had a penalty. That game should have ended 1-1. We were unlucky to lose. Ipswich Town opening day of the season. I really, really rate Ipswich Town highly um, in terms of the squad building, in terms of how they play. Uh, But arguably, Sunderland played quite well and were unlucky to to lose that opening day. So the teams in and around Sunderland we've, we've sort of done well against. We've obviously got that experience now in the squad as well. Everyone's a year older got more appearances, they've got that experience of of coming up through the playoffs in League One, but also the Luton Town game. Um so I think there's there's definitely positives to take. But it's it's such a tight congested league that I think that Christmas time when the games come thick and fast, I think there's like four games before Boxing Day or something like that, something ridiculous. And then you've got the New Year's Day fixture comes into it and then January's a busy period and then you, you come to a, a certain FA Cup game on the sticks as well. So there's a lot of football to be played um, and you can sort of be cut adrift after Christmas when when before Christmas you looked in the mix and vice versa. But the championship's absolutely bananas that if you put a run together, you can you can make a late charge for the, for the playoff. As Sunderland did last season, nobody really expected us to get there. But I think it's positive that, that Sunderland are up there, that the winning games, they're taking points. Um, they just need to, as you say, Graham, work on that consistency and and try and win games more regularly and not do the old streaky lee and, and lose three on the three on the trot. Um, but even in those losses, I've I've seen elements of performances which have which have been good. Obviously, there was a couple towards the back end of of Mowbray which which were a hard watch. But, but by and large, even the games Sunderland have have lost this season, there's been a ridiculous refereeing decision. Or we just haven't been able to score, um, which is a problem, you know, widely documented and widely talked about. So yeah, again, I think Sunderland can can do well this season, but at some point, I think they will need to start scoring through strikers. I think that that will need to happen at some point if they're going to be successful and and achieve the aims this season. I think you know Diallo will get us the goals in the second half of the season, James. But that's uh, that's just my opinion. <laughs> um, let's let's bloody let's bloody hope so. Fingers crossed. Um, one thing that is probably testament to how good the performance has been, and testament to how good the last two performances has been, is Sunderland don't have a manager at the minute. We haven't even discussed it, and we're nearly thirty minutes into a pod. We've got five minutes left. James, I'll, I'll stay with you on this one, and I'll, I'll I'll go to you, Dave. No listeners' questions this week because this was very much impromptu, but. Um, really big links towards Will Still. I think it's looking like, you know, when that can mean you both know, um, when this kind of thing gets flushed out to the media en masse, like Le Quip and, you know, the, the, the British papers and stuff like that, it's normally been briefed by someone. Um, what that means, who knows? But I think it does look like potentially Kirill does want Will Still. There's a few things to tie off. Helberg looks like he's out of the equation. Sable, I don't know. I get the feeling he would go with Mike Dodds over Sable because if you're going to go with an experienced coach and you can't get your number one target, which appears to be Will Still. But, I mean, where do you think we sit at the moment? Asking you as a as a fan as opposed to a journalist, where do you think we, we sit at the minute with that, James, in terms of the next management appointment? Um, I think Mike Dodds has given them a decision to make with his with his two wins. To be honest, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that that he could get the job until the end of the season. Um, at some point, if these talks with Will still um, don't go to plan, I think there's a couple of things with this. So it's my understanding that there has been contact and talks. I think that's clear. 
obviously the the reports coming out from Lekeep and and obviously in in Belgium as well, where obviously Will still has spent a bit of his life. They they would suggest that there's clearly something going on. Um, I think we can we can take that is is pretty certain. What is interesting is that Will still is doing quite well in France. Um, but he wants transfer assurances from his club at the moment. So there is the the possibility that, you know, as everybody does when it comes to taking a new job, especially in football management, that he is is looking for a bit of leverage. He might even fancy a new contract. Um, I don't know. That's just a little bit of a hunch. That's not me saying, you know, that I've spoken to Will still and that's definitely the case. So don't sort of quote me Um on that in terms of that definitely being Will Still's game. I'm not saying it definitely is or definitely isn't. I'm just saying that it, it could be a factor. But I think, you know, Sunderland is probably an attractive proposition to Will Still as well. A big club in the championship getting 40,000 plus every week. The potential for growth is unbelievable. Um, the model will be attractive to him because he's a young coach who, who who likes the recruitment, the analysis, the data, the way Sunderland have gone, the noises um, that they make. So I think it's it's very interesting. Um I think he he is the the number one target if they are going to appoint uh, a head coach and not go with Mike Dodds. Um, as you say, I don't really see Sable happening. Helberg as well seems to be off to a different club. So it, it does look like Sable. Um, sorry, it, it does look to me like Dodds or still at the moment. Um, I think the other thing to consider would be that Sunderland will have to pay some money to get Will Still out of France. Um, how much that is, I don't know. Um, will they be able to? Well, not not will they be able to? Will they be willing to 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 pay that to get them? What sort of assurances will he want? I don't know, but I think at the moment we're just at the point of initial contact, some talks penciled in, you know, a few little flirtations. We haven't got to the point yet where we're going back to the evening for afters or anything like that. There's no sort of contract signings. There's no offers. Um, it's still very much up in the air, and I think. Mike Dodds will be in charge for the Bristol City game. Um, almost certainly, it, you know, even if Will still was appointed today or tomorrow, I think Mike Dodds would potentially still be in charge for that Bristol City game. But if he wins again, then Sunderland have got a massive, massive decision to make. Um, so it, it's it's very interesting. Obviously, when when Mowbray was sacked, I think a lot of people assumed that they would have a sort of ready-made thing. Um, ready to go, but that that hasn't transpired. They've sort of played the field and, and had a little look around, taking the time. And you know, thankfully for them, Mike Dodds has is bought them that time really by his excellent coaching. Um, because if Sunderland had lost those two games, then people would be uh, livid to say the least, and rightly so. But they haven't. They've won those two games, so Sunderland now have a little bit of a cushion. Um, all is well in the world at the Stadium of Light, really. So we just sort of await with with bated breath but I do think still is the, the the top candidate if they were to you know appoint a new man but don't rule Mike Dodds out um, would be my advice I don't really see it coming from any other avenue I don't think Paul Heckenbottom happens Julian Sable I'm, I'm not really too sure that seems to have quietened down um, it was never going to be like a, a Neil Warnock or a Mick McCarthy anybody like that so for me it's it's Dodds or still and, and we'll wait and see what happens Excellent Lads, we'll leave it at that. But uh, Dave, Copley, thanks for joining me. I've called you James and Copley through it. I've called you my mate's name and then your official name. If you... That's that's fine. I get I get called far, far worse on a daily basis. So let's <laughs> still take that. We all do, mate. But thanks for joining, lads. Great win. How are you, the lads? All the best. Brilliant.